0: Theology of glory basically says that Jesus is your self-help guru. Uh, If you give your life to Jesus, he is going to make you prosperous. He'll make you successful. Every area of your life is going to get better. And Luther said, where'd you get that from? We follow a crucified Messiah. Uh, And it's through his sacrifice that he was glorified. And you know what? That's exactly what it says in Philippians chapter 2.
1: Welcome to Whitefield Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie. He's the pastor of Whitefield Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, we find ourselves in week two of our new series called Grace and Truth as we are studying through the book, book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, exciting, exciting time, exciting uh, series that we're getting into. And uh, this week we find ourselves in looking at the last... Uh, few verses of chapter 1, verses 17 through 31. And the title of this week's message was The Message of the Cross and the Power of God. And so if you you missed that message, you can find it on our YouTube channel, or you can go over to whitefieldschurch.com and you can download it there, or it'll be up on any of your favorite podcasting Platforms, And if you would, you know, uh, give us a thumbs up, you know, like it, subscribe, and if you get a chance to review, review it and tell us what you think. If you like it? Five stars. If you don't like it, give us one star and tell us why you didn't like it. And, uh, you know, we just want to create a dialogue, interaction with you, I mean, and, uh, you know, continue just to try and put out some of this Christ-centered, God-centered um Uh, gospel-centered content uh, for you. And so do that with us. Interact with us. It would be great. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. But we find ourselves here in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And and kind of the central verse here is uh, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. It's kind of this idea that we're introduced to a paradox here of just the, that God has used something foolish and, and you described it really well in your sermon, uh, you know, just that, the message of the cross, the idea of the cross was just like, you know, mind blowing to these, we, maybe for us, you know, we wear a cross around our neck or things like that, kind of the, the, the the essence, you know, the really, the forcefulness of it is kind of maybe lost on us in our modern generation, but for those first century Christians talking about the cross, and you outline it in your sermon, was something, it was to be accursed, you know, it was it talked about like that. Roman citizens were not even allowed to uh, be crucified, you weren't even supposed to talk about it, as you said, in polite company, it was something so, you know, so crazy, so out there, yet God chose to use that message, the message of the cross, to bring salvation to the world. And I was just, you know, just to think on that is actually pretty amazing. But you, there were some things you were, of course, you know, not able to bring a lot. There's a huge topic. There are a couple things that you were not able to talk about in your sermon. We were going to ta- discuss those today. One of them was Luther's take on the message of the cross.
0: Yeah, Luther, um, when he talked about the message of the cross, he talked about it in these terms, he said that there's a theology of glory and there's a theology of the cross. And at his time, remember, in the he's coming around in the fifteen hundreds, and uh, at that time, of course, the medieval Roman Catholic Church had amassed so much power, so much money, and um, they they had essentially taken over the world in many ways. And and as they even uh, endeavored to do missionary things. Many of those endeavors were kind of mixed with colonization and things like that. And Luther said, no, 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 this is a theology of glory and not Christ's glory, but man's glory. And instead, we are called to a theology of the cross. And he brought us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, but to us who believe it is the power of God to salvation. Right? And so uh, that's really important because... I think in our modern day and age, there, there, there's another way that this works itself out. Theology of glory, theology of cross—these never go away, right? On the theology of the cross side, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, and I believe it's the opening line of his book, *The Cost of Discipleship*. He says, uh, "When Christ calls a man, he calls him to come and die." Now, that's a stark statement, of course, but he is he saying that physically die? Well. Maybe in some cases, yes, but in every case, definitely, to die to themselves, right? Not to live for their own glory, but to sacrifice their life, give their life for him who gave the, his life for them. This is what Paul talks about in Second Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters, but particularly the end, he says, The love of Christ compels us, for we are convinced that one gave his life so that we who live might not live any more for ourselves, but for him who for our sakes died and was resurrected. And that's really important, right? So when Christ calls a man or a woman, he calls them to come and die, to lay down their life. Now that is not a very popular message, as we talked about today, uh, this Sunday. In some cases, somebody would say, no, 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 we need to change the message. We need to spruce it up, make it a little bit more palatable. And one of the ways that it's made more palatable is in what is a modern expression of a theology of glory, which I I would say we can see it if we look around. Theology of glory basically says that Jesus is your self-help guru. Uh, If you give your life to Jesus, He is gonna make you prosperous, He'll make you successful. Every area of your life is going to get better. And Luther said, where'd you get that from? We follow a crucified Messiah. Uh, and it's through his sacrifice that he was glorified. And you know what? That's exactly what it says in Philippians chapter 2, that he's have this same mind in yourselves. It was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not, you know, See equality with God, something to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, taking on the form of a servant, right? And then it says, and because of this, God exalted Him to the highest place, the place that is above all places, and every knee will bow at that name of Jesus Christ, and and so that's the whole point: that our glory doesn't come directly; our glory comes through Him at a later date. The whole point is, we're not through Christ, the reason to follow Jesus isn't to have your best life now, right? The reason to follow Jesus is because he calls us to come after him. He has given his life for us. We live for his glory now and we are glorified in the end through him. But I think it's a really important point, right? Do you want uh, the Jesus of popular culture who will um, make all of your dreams come true? Or do you want the real Jesus, the one who um, loves you and one who gave his life for you and calls you to follow him and give your life for him. And this is the paradox that's talked about in this passage, is this, that what seems right to the world is live for yourself, prioritize yourself, you know, uh, you know, get rid of the losers, you know, associate with winners, all this stuff, and, and you'll be successful and happy. And it's not even true, it's not true at all. And Jesus told us that, right? It shouldn't be a surprise because Jesus came and he said, anyone who tries to hold on to their life will lose it, but he who lays down his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it, right? This is this is core to his teaching. And so we want to follow the theology of the cross, not a theology of glory. Now, of course, we want God's glory. We do believe that Christ is the victor and in him we are more than victors. But we are not pursuing our own glory in this life through Jesus. Rather, we are walking in the way of the cross, knowing that he will be glorified through us. And ultimately, in him, we will receive that glory at a later time.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because Jesus didn't surround himself with, uh, you know, people that are successful and all that. He surrounded himself with a group of guys that were chaos on order, Mm -hmm. you know, like, they did not get along. They were from different walks of life. They, it wasn't like you know finding and picking and putting together your A team. You know they, you know, as we always say these were the apostles. They were not even the apostles, B apostles <laughs> <Never> or whatever apostles <laughs> they were. They were definitely not the apostles. And yeah, a lot of this thought, you know, we had discussed this before a little bit about the idea of you know a lot of what our modern world is about is traced back a little bit to the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. where. You know, before you can even see it, the, before mm. the Enlightenment, the question was, "How can I be right with God?" And then after the Enlightenment was, "How can I be happy?" Mm-hmm. And you, and that's kind of creeped into the church as well. How mm. can I be happy? My my life here on earth, you know.
0: <laughs> on that same note, here's what's so ironic, right? Is that yes, we're asking this question, "How can I be happy?" But that is a question that Jesus answered, but he didn't answer it in the way that. We would answer it now, or even the way that a theology of glory, let's say, would answer it. Let me give you an example the Beatitudes, the most famous of all Jesus' sayings. What does that word mean? What's a Beatitude? Is it an attitude that you have to be? I've heard that said by Bible teachers, and every time I cringe because. First of all, it's a bad pun. I'm not a, not a huge fan of puns. I liked your apostle thing. Yeah. That was good. But, uh, you know, just saying that beatitudes, that's not even what that means. It's a Latin word, beatus, right? It means happy. It comes from a Greek word, makarios, and, and that's the original text. It says makarios, which means literally happy, which is why I like to read in Hungarian, because if you read in Hungarian, it literally says happy are those who do what? Happy are the poor in spirit, right? So we we say blessed because we've kind of, um, you know, we want to use churchy or like religious sounding language because happy doesn't sound religious. we say, oh, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be blessed. Okay, um, well, actually, Jesus did say, here's the way to be happy. And then he gave 11 sayings about what it means to be happy. And they're all the opposite of what you would think, right? Happy are those who are. Um, are poor in spirit. Wait a second, why would I be happy about that? Happy are those who mourn and weep. What? That doesn't make any sense, right? Happy are you when people revile you and persecute you. What are you talking about? Like, this would have been shocking to people, right? You know, you talk about a lot of what, um, what makes comedians good at speaking is that they use an element of surprise. Jesus used it constantly. And I think that if you are not being a little bit surprised or like cocking your head when you read the the words that Jesus said most of the time, you're not really understanding them. Because what he said was so countercultural, so provocative even, like so so, um, challenging to the people's mentalities. Happy are you who mourn. Right? Why? Because you will inherit the earth. Oh, okay. So there's something about this. What is he doing? He's calling people to a new and different way to find happiness. And I, I think that, um, so, so you, you bring up a great point, right? That since the Enlightenment, we've become a, a culture in the West that is obsessed with our own happiness. And yet we miss the fact that Jesus told us, here is the way to happiness, but it's opposite. It's upside down from what you would think in a human way.
1: Yeah, and the irony is there's very few people that are happy today. Of I mean, course, that is it's irony. It's like, you know, the yeah. depression rates and the things that just have skyrocketed over the past years. And so, yeah, and yeah, no, you need to get over and listen to this sermon. And at the end of the sermons we just closed today, Nick gave a challenge to, to everyone, just the idea of boasting. Who are you boasting in, you know? Are you boasting in your own accomplishments and your own happiness or even boasting in the Lord and boasting in Jesus. and the the challenge was just boasting the Lord to somebody to uh, this week at some point and uh, just see where the Lord takes that. you know that might be that thing that that one thing that draws people into this paradox of the cross that we the message of the cross that we have been talking about. So that's the challenge for this week. That's the exhortation for this week. Boast in the Lord, boast. Boast in Jesus. And, uh, you know, get over WhitefieldsChurch.com, download the message there, share it with somebody, hit that subscribe button right now, hit the like button, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.